In today's conversation, we have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Mr. Jason Pereira, one of Canada's foremost experts in the field of financial planning. Jason is a recognized public speaker, writer, and podcaster in all things related to financial planning and fintech. Jason, thank you for finding time, and let's just jump right in. Pleasure. Jason, if someone were to pick up your bio, they'd see that you're a prolific leader in the field of financial services and planning. If we were to take a quick step back, are there a series of events that led to your vast interest in this topic and financial market regulation to begin with? Well, those are two separate things. I mean, uh, the very quick Coles notes is that I didn't know what I wanted to do as a student when I was in high school, didn't want to go to university and blow a bunch of money on the wrong, on the wrong category, took a co-op position, worked for a brokerage in downtown Toronto, loved the experience. They kept me on all through my undergrad and, uh, and where I learned all about finance. And then by the end of it, I hated it because I saw what the banks were like. So basically, and what I meant by that was it was, there was no metric for client success. It was all about the company success, which is most corporate America, the corporate world period. Um, so left that environment looking to find a better way to do things in my opinion. And that led me to start just realizing that I didn't know how to run this practice. So I started learning everything I possibly could from everyone I possibly could who actually had to figure it out. And it's just, it's a learning experience that's never stopped. Now as for regulation, here's the reality of it. Um, the re First off, we have to A, know what the rules of our game are, but B, when you start understanding regulation around the world, you start seeing differences that are better and processes that are better. So that's the way you stay ahead of competition in this country is to understand what the regulatory land landscape looks like elsewhere. Hey, uh, th that sounds like a fantastic kind of upbringing uh, in terms of just learning best practices and then seeing what regulation has to offer. Now, speaking of regulation, Jason, I know you and I have talked previously about client focus reforms and, and client focus reforms are, are largely considered to be one of the most significant enhancements to the client advisor relationship in decades. Um, off the top, uh, what, what are your thoughts on client focus reforms thus far, and how, how do you believe it'll shape the industry going forward? So I am completely in favor of everything I've seen in client focus reforms. End of the day, it is a standardization of best practice. Oh, wait a sec, you need to know the risk tolerance and capacity and better profiling of your client. Why shouldn't you know that? Of course you should know that before you make any recommendation. Knowing your product, of course you should know your product. Making suitable decisions, the, the recommendations, oh my God, what an earth shattering decision, right? Like this is what a profession is supposed to do, okay? So completely in favor of the standardization was what was best practice. Now, problem is the actual current level of implementation is completely flawed in my opinion. And that's because Let's look at the two sides of KYP. There was not really a framework that existed anywhere that I know of that basically had this nailed down. So everybody's still kind of figuring it out. Like what is the actual thing you're supposed to be looking at or what you're supposed to be recording? So everybody's got to figure this out. On the KYC side, specifically around things like risk tolerance and capacity, hey, this has been studied by academia for a long time. There's a bunch of commercially available softwares on the market when it comes to tolerance that are out there that could be adopted. Unfortunately, we live in Canada, which is basically the land of the blind leading the blind. And what happens is, is that a lot of the the a lot of these people talk to each other about how we're going to implement this. And their solution is to come up with their own questionnaires which are not empirically valid, they are not backed up by any science, and they are nonsense. And that is what we've seen. We've seen people default to the old stupid thing as opposed to looking down the market and saying, oh, we can actually calculate this utilizing something that's been proven for 40 years. Or here's a tool that does both of these things that's newer that we're with academia that they can actually robustly prove it. So to date, a lot of the implementation has been, uh, let's just check the box. 
I think what's going to happen is that sooner or later, someone nails this and that becomes the benchmark for what every regulator looks like from everybody else. So right now it's not, it's great concept, imperfect implementation. I'm waiting for the implementation to catch up with the concept. Beautifully said, couldn't agree more. And, and believe me, we, we are having lots of similar conversations with our clients and prospects in the industry. A lot of firms sort of saying, hey, what's another firm across the street doing? And how do we how do we improve our current processes? So I do believe I agree with you in terms of kind of the, the regulations being a, a starting point and the implementation is really bringing in uh, that that fostering of but, that. But there's the flaw. What's what's my competition doing? Not what is the action like there's a science to everything. There's a science to how a survey is composed. There's a science to risk tolerance. There's a science to like figuring out what you should be doing in just about anything. And the reality is we just start to look at the other, you know, people who don't know what they're doing and say, oh, as long as we're doing what they're doing, we're okay. No, 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 no. This is the problem is instead of turning and basically saying, hey, this has been studied, this is a psychological issue. What can we do that's actually, that actually works out there and is proven and is going to lead to better outcomes for everyone. Instead of doing that, they look at, you know, it's the blind leading the blind. It, it, you know, the, the blind leading the blind, I know you and I have talked about this or duped this out in, in the past, Jason. Um, I, I think this is the, 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 the you know, principle-based regulation is a double, has a double-edged sword to it, right? So mm -hmm. as if, if the market is spoken, market wants to have more principle-based regulations versus prescriptive. And so when you do that, to your point about blind leading the blind, there could potentially be, uh, um, you know, the, the, the unintended consequence of that is people sort of not knowing exactly what to do. How, how exactly do you interpret those regulations? Speaking of which, uh, one of my favorite questions in, 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 these, in these conversations, Jason, has been around sort of, uh, what if Jason Pereira had a, a magic wand? What would you do uh, uh, with respect to that you know, in the spirit of our conversation with respect to general practices in the financial services profession, as well as uh, keeping in context of the regulations. The one change I would make in the industry, uh, quite <laughs> simply, fiduciary responsibility. You hit, the, you hit the industry over the head with that hammer and hold us to the highest legal standard. That opens up the floodgates for accountability. And frankly, um, either people who think that they'd be able to that be able to operate the way they were with no due diligence or whatever else it was, now being held to that standard would pay the price. And the rest of the and whoever gets <laughs> goes to court first, that's going to send a message to everybody else that no, you, this is not acceptable. This is absolutely not acceptable. And I'm sorry, this this type of change has happened elsewhere in the world, and it's led to guess what? It's led to better outcomes in different countries like Australia and the, U and the UK, in the US in particular too, and also led to higher levels of client engagement satisfaction. Guess what? More profitable advisors. So believe it or not, holding yourself to the highest standard can actually be beneficial to not just the client, but to the entire industry. I didn't agree with you more there, Jason. Well said. And, and always holding oneself to a higher standard is probably the, uh, the, the best way forward. Now, You've also, as I said off the top in the intro, you are also a fintech guru and you speak uh, with many firms and you lecture on this topic. Uh, curious to know your thoughts about sort of how, how you believe fintech will shape our industry, specifically in light of the client focus reform obligations uh, in the years to come. Well, I'm, I'm disappointed to say I wish it would have shaped it more um, to date. And the reason I say that is, hey, robo-advisors have been around for a you know, longer part of 10 years now. I'm not going to say exactly, but you know, 
bottom line is, is that, hey, they showed us simplified onboarding, simplified digital, easy onboarding. Yet how many institutions in this country still have that at this have that at this point? Next to none. So we have no excuse anymore. The industry has been showing how things can be done digitally. And frankly, they need to be better at adopting it. The so how do I think that the fintechs are going to shape it? They're going to show us the easiest, simplest implementation for doing a lot of these things. And in addition to that, they're going to help us with some of the heavier problems we have, which is really CFR in a lot of ways is a big data problem when you think about it, right? At the end of the day, we have to utilize, we have to do our research, be able to prove we've done our research, but a dealership's got to be able to show on mass that this is being done and track this as well as then reconcile those KYP reporting requirements with the KYC stuff to make sure that anything happening in the account is now basically matched up. So technology plays an absolutely vital role in this. It plays a role and should play a role in everything from the questions being asked and the collection of that data to the basically the risk tolerance and risk and risk capacity assessments that I said earlier to the client onboarding to the due diligence side of the KYP side right down to the hey this is the client I'm now fully digitally profiled here's the products I fully digitally profiled on the shelf I want to connect these two do they match up yes no and then on an ongoing basis do is there anything ever broken so when I read CFR the first time I sent out an email to my head of technology and the president of the dealership saying listen I just read this entire thing this is supposed to be, this information is supposed to be updated every year. This is either going to be the biggest pain in my butt or a button push. That is the spectrum. Please to God, make it a button push. No one made it a button push anywhere as far as I can see, but it's doable. Hey, that's the, that's the magic formula. And, and I believe uh, technology really has a pivotal part to play in automating and centralizing and making repeatable processes. And, and to your point, completely agree the client focus reforms is a big data problem um you, you don't want to have disparate practices across the business whether if someone's going to compare a reasonable range of alternatives well if parm's going to do it differently for jason well in within the same dealership model is that really the best way forward and then are you setting up your business for success let me ask you speaking of which so Obviously, the client focus reforms is timely. Uh, the topic of sort of fintech and your vision in terms of how that's going to shift the industry is, is also something that's front and center. Now, Jason, if, if you had this crystal ball, if you, had to, if you had to make a wild prediction in terms of how our industry is going to be, uh, how would an industry be different, you know, 10 years from now? So here's the good thing about um, getting a international worldview on this industry and being in Canada is that I don't have to guess. I've seen it. I've seen it happen elsewhere. Because when you start talking to advisors in different countries, you start seeing that everyone's technically on the same general development trajectory, right? Everything's heading in this same rising tide environment of of basically higher proficiency, greater professionalism, you know, the, the client, better client outcomes, more focus on the client. Everybody's heading that exact same direction in different paths, but we're all at different points on the curve. Now, unfortunately in Canada, we tend to be way back on the curve. Okay. Like, and I say that, you know, not comparing us solely to the US, the UK and, and Australia, but to even some developing nations, which I've seen have passed more progressive legislation than we have in the past. Um, you know, I most famously like to point out that India planned the equivalent of DSC somewhere like 14, 15 years ago. And we are just hitting the deadline on the ban of that in Canada very shortly. So, and that's not an exception. I mean, that same thing happened in South Africa even before then. So probably 20 years ago now, pretty close to it. Point is, is that we are a laggard. 
we can get into arguments as to why. But the good thing about it is it gives you a lens into what the future looks like. So what am I seeing? I'm seeing ever greater proficiency and professionalism requirements placed in, and scrutiny placed upon advisors across the world. We are, if we are going to hold ourselves out like professionals, we better be educated like them. We better have processes like them. We better operate like them. And we better have the various systems that basically support us. So that is what's happening. The, anyone who thinks that the, the past is the product sales market world that we've grown up in is dead wrong. Uh, because frankly, the, the tide is pushing against that. We are even seeing, believe it or not, shockingly, amazingly enough, that sort of rising tide happening in the insurance world, which is the last bastion of this stuff to happen. And it's happening actually in Canada quicker than it is elsewhere. So the reality is, where, what do I have to look at? We are going to see in 10 years' time, advisors who want to get into the business have to, they're going to have to have a higher level of proficiency altogether. They're going to be expected to basically have the, this, the, the expected to have a really generalized knowledge of financial planning across the board, provide service that is beyond just picking for investments. If you look at what's happened in the US, this rising tide has led to a wonderful outcome of this, what I call a flywheel effect of more people understanding what financial planning are, therefore seeking out financial planners, therefore basically creating more demand for financial planners to come into the market and it's feeding upon itself. And the competition is increased to the point where people have gotten very smart about this and specifically targeting niches, specifically targeting everything from dentists who are in a tri-state area looking to sell their practice to a um, to a uh, venture capital firm is one of the, no, sorry, or a private equity firm. That's one of the examples I saw. Or believe it or not, I found one for stuntmen in Atlanta, right? The reality is being able to figure out a small segment of the market that has a very specific need and building a high value delivery methodology around solving the problems for those people. Because the number one problem that advisors still keep on talking about at every practice management and every conference I go to is how do we demonstrate value? How do we show them the value? Well, if you got to keep on asking yourself that question, it probably means you're not doing it right now or your concept of it is might be flawed. You want to solve someone, you want to basically provide value, figure out how to solve be everything to a certain type of person, not everything to all people. You can't do that, but you can be everything to a certain type of person. Super, always a pleasure. Really well said. I was expecting a well-informed and high-octane conversation and you, you've <laughs> met that on all fronts. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Everyone, if you enjoyed today's conversation, please provide us with any feedback you may have or any guests you'd like to appear on our show. Uh, otherwise, please subscribe to InvestorCom's YouTube channel for more of these conversations in the future.